This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. It's the second hour of the program. Welcome back. I'm Kelly McDonald. And we're settling in here, just taking it easy, folks, and guiding you through the next hour of programming here on Kelly and Rumya. Thanks a lot. Settle on back. A lot of great guests ahead, a great conversation. As usual, we're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. So check us out when you can. Repeat of the program on AMI-tv and AMI-audio at 10 p.m. Eastern time and 1 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv and 6 a.m. in the morning over on AMI-audio. Thank you wherever and whenever you're listening for being with us. As mentioned, that guy over there at Brock Richardson, I'm Kelly McDonald. Well, our next guest, Don Barden, is doing his doctoral thesis at Columbia University about women leaders, and he's here to share some insight with us. Don, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I absolutely love your show. Uh, everything about it is fantastic. So uh, when they called me and asked me to be on it, I jumped for joy. So thank you. I appreciate what you're doing, and uh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Don. Awesome. Awesome. We appreciate it. Don, I think the appropriate place to start here is how did you get involved in this kind of work? Well, I'm an, an economist, uh, to be uh, straight up with you. I'm a classically trained economist, but I always tell people that I'm really a frustrated anthropologist which means I care more about why people make the decisions they do than I care about yield curves and interest rates. And uh, I can put my professor hat on and we can talk about yield curves all day long, but it's kind of boring. And it's not very exciting because that's talking about yesterday's news. Um, I love humanity. I love people and and what's happening. So when you look at my field of uh, work in behavioral economics, it's about looking to the future and thinking about how people are going to behave and and how that's impacting all the rest of us. And and how do we get people to start believing in a bigger, better, and brighter future? Uh, So I kind of stumbled into it. It's been a wonderful journey, and uh, I, I run to work every day. Wow, that's amazing. You know, Don, and it's so true, right? The evolving that we do as human beings, whether it's pop culture, whether it's the things that uh, we think today and maybe in six years don't, we see it a lot with what's appropriate now, what isn't appropriate oh, yeah. in 10 years from now. Uh, these are all those those ever-changing humanistic things that make you fascinated. Yeah, oh, 100%. But you know what's interesting? I always tell my students, you know, Darwin was right, except we're looking at him wrong. I think he only got the biology part about 20 30% correct. I'm good with natural selection. Some of the other stuff now I'm not good with. But you take Darwin's principles and apply them to economics, oh, my God, the home run every single time, uh, because we do constantly evolve socially, uh, emotionally, uh, contextually. Everything about what we do just continues to get better. The problem is we have a tendency to want to spend too much time talking about the past and what we should have done differently. And and I tell people all the time, the three worst words in the human language or English language is would have, should have, and could have. Don't say those words, Mm. you know, just look Mm. to the future and say, what did we learn? Uh, What do we know about today? And what do we look about tomorrow as being better? And um, I think behavioral economics helps us all get there. Is, is that a comfort thing, Don? Is that why we do it? Because all of us look back to that, what we say, oh, it was a much simpler time. Well, when you were seven and eight, you didn't have to worry about paying rent. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. The problem is, as individuals go through life, they seem to get focused on their childhood uh, memories. And they yeah. can't separate the fact that 
you were seven years old, you were a child. The memory was received from the, the eyes of a child and it's embedded into your memory bank that way. But it's interesting when we go back as adults and start seeing things, and if we really, really take a cognitive look at things and say, wait, I know I heard that and I felt that when I was seven, but how do I look at it now as an adult? And man, that is a very, very hard thing to do. But when people do do that, uh, their eyes open up and then they, they can go to that bigger and better future. And then it's our real job is to pass that down to our kids and say, hey, look, um, you know, this, I remember I was there. I get it. Now, I know you don't get it, but here's what's going to happen. Here's how you're going to develop and you're going to grow. And it's something to get really excited about. So, uh, well, yeah, we all live in our own world. That's right. And it's the way everything circles around. Oh, anyway, and that's a whole other topic that we could get into and yeah. right now, I'd love to jump into some of those insights that you have from your thesis. So we don't eat up too much of your time. What do you got to share with us? Uh, well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, uh, your area is in, in mourning right now in celebration uh, for Hurricane Hazel, right? I mean, what an incredible woman uh, having just recently passed away and the impact she made. Yes. But I'm really doing a lot of work on women in leadership. And a guy, it's funny, we're all three guys here, so we can talk about this. We've known this since the day we were born, that women are smarter than men. We know it. We get it. There's not a man on the planet that won't admit that to you, right? But uh, we look at social and economic growth and development, and we say, but, you know, there's some skill sets that dudes have that, that ladies don't. And a lot of that has to do with red muscle mass. Um, we can pick up things, cut down trees, uh, dig oil wells, you know, move bricks around. We can do things because of red muscle math that are just more efficient in, in the labor force. But when it comes to thinking and processing and really applying how everything works, especially when you're looking at multiple and complex opportunities, uh, girls are just better. So as we continue to move into a direction where we're, we're headed toward a heavy service-oriented society, we're looking at automation, we're looking at things, and, and frankly, we're not going to need red muscle mass as much as we have in the past. Um, we call this study that we're working on, Here Come the Girls. Uh, because women are finally going to have their chance to really shine. And we've done a tremendous amount of work. And uh, honestly, we're forecasting that women take over global leadership, um, sort of like what uh, Hazel did, you know, 50, 60 years ago, it seems like. But women are going to take over the global leadership between 2029 and 2032. And a lot of it is math. A lot of it is social context of what's happening. And it's something to look forward to. Uh, so when we live in a world today where we're all trying to make excuses for the past, I'm saying, no, no, no. Here come the girls. Get ready, because uh, the guys have done a decent job getting us to here. But I just think women are going to take it uh, 10 times further than, than anything we ever thought about in the past. And I think it's a th something to celebrate. I agree 100%. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of chuckled when you were talking about women being, you know, smarter than men and us not admitting that necessarily. But it is true. And to, oh, yeah. to the point to the point that you you just made. Can you kind of go a little bit further in, in telling us the, the exact impact having more women in leadership roles is going to have directly on our society? Oh, sure. Well, I don't care what anybody says. Men and women are wired a little bit differently. I mean, overall, uh, I'd say 90-something percent of us are the same, but those things that separate women from men clearly lean on empathy. And empathy allows you to have multiple contexts of what's happening in your brain. So, so let me explain that to you. Women can think about a lot of things at one time, and, and they can keep it going and they can juggle it. Men tend to think, think of things in single mission orientation. In other words, you tell me to go do something, okay, I'm going to go do it. Women, though, can look at multiple pieces of the puzzle and think way, way ahead and see how things fit in. 
Now, guys can do that too, but not as good as women. We've proven that. But you add an extra little thing that, that women have, and that's empathy. And oh my gosh, you're talking about a radical change of society. So it's not just going to be a transaction of do this and this will happen. Let's do this and these five other things are going to happen. And let's do it with gratitude. Let's do it with an emotional connection. Uh, let's do it leaning in, trying to realize what drives one person over another person. So the transactional nature of the economy uh, is already starting to wane and is moving towards service, which is all about how do you feel? And, and I tell people this all the time uh, when I lecture on decision-making and emotions. 85% of a reason anybody does anything, male or female, is driven by emotion. Only 15% of it is driven by the facts. So when you start looking mm. at it, you go, God, we live in a world of choice, right? We live in a world where we can choose between what we like and what we don't like. So wouldn't yes. you like to follow somebody in leadership that you you enjoy being around and you feel this connection to? That's what women can do differently than, than guys. And I think as we see the social yield coming and, and we see how the world is shifting and changing and globalization is happening, buckle up, guys. Here, here come the girls. It's going to be their time. <laughs> so, Don, Thank God. with that being said, <laughs> with that being said, I've got to yeah. go back to your economics to some point, as a matter of fact. Within the next decade, sure. what do you predict uh, the amount of leaders will be women and what impact will that have on our society? I, I want to throw in the fact that we've talked a lot about accessibility for everybody on this program. And one of the sure. things we've ran into whenever we have these discussions with women is how unfair the glass ceiling thing for so many people that deserve to yeah. be equally paid. Um, so should we think about in that 10 years to come, let's say when things change, the the resistance that will naturally or seems to be there now when we look at things of why we still have in the conversation in this day and age about women receiving equal pay. Yeah, that's argumentative, right? I mean, you can sit there and yep. say, well, wait a minute, let's do the math. And, and don't forget, in mathematics, there's three types of liars. There's liars, there's darn liars, and there's statisticians. So whenever you start throwing <laughs> stats out there, it's like, oh, boy, here we go. So, you know, our, our, I don't know, but I tell you what's going to happen. The market, the economy is efficient. The economy does not care about gender. The economy doesn't care if you're you're red, blue, and have yellow po polka dots on you. It does not care. It cares about efficiency. And with efficiency is reward. So we go through these touch points. We go through social infractions sometimes where we say, gosh, I wish, or we should have, or whatever. But remember what I said, don't do that. Just look at it and say, wow, there's going to be a bigger and brighter future. The economy, because remember, Darwin was right when it comes to economics. Natural selection is going to push out the people who don't perform and don't behave. And I mean that on both sides of the fence. So if, if this one of those uh, people out there who, doesn't, who do not believe in women's equality, do not believe in paying them, the economy is going to take care of those folks. You know, they're just not good. It's going to be spit out. So we're going to see an economic shift that's going to happen between 2029 and 2032, where women are going to definitely take over the majority. And it's going to go as far as they want it to go. Uh, now, there's a lot of math involved with this. So I would say by 2050, uh, you'll see 75 to 80 percent or more of global leadership. But leadership still boils down to the is the person good? You know, it doesn't matter what the yeah, gender is. Yeah, they yes. got to be good. They got to do right. it. And um, yeah. if you look at Hazel and you look at all these other people, you still got to have the skill sets. So, but what's happening? And I was looking at Hazel, you know, passing away. She gave an entire generation of women permission to do something. She was a trailblazer. She went out there and did it. And, and right down the road from you, Tiger Woods did the same thing at Glen oh, Abbey yeah. about 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah that, that, yeah, that shot at 18 was one of his top five shots of all times. But you look at him and you look at these young players out there now, and guess what? 
he gave them permission to beat him. They know how to beat Tiger yeah. now. You know, girls know how to be leaders now. They know how to fight through that because people went ahead and took the hits. And they took the hits Fantastic. by doing the work. Right. And so, you yeah. know, Great. I, I just all I can tell you, it's just going to change and it's going to be awesome. Great stuff. We really appreciate it. Time is not our friend. So we thank you so oh, much no. for doing this today. We appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. Keep doing your work, guys. I love it. Thanks, that Don. was Don Barden sharing his doctoral signs on women in leadership roles. And in a moment, folks, certified financial planner Ryan Chin is with us. Stick around. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. So, Brock, we were talking the other day on the program pertaining when do you stop saying Happy New Year? When can we expect people to fall off the wagon regarding those, as we talked about from Margaret, those goals that people have, the New Year's resolutions and all that jazz. And we talked also uh, at some point or another since the years began about that money, that tough time in January where, where the Blue Monday comes in and all of these kinds of things because people have run up their credit card bills Kelly McDonald with Brock Richardson on the program today joining me. Uh, and those kinds of things make you stop and wonder and think, gee, January and February can be a tough time. Well, I think one of the things we can do is start getting a little help with some of this. So we're bringing Ryan Shin in. Of course, he's our financial advisor that we bring on the program. We do the money talk on the first Wednesday of the month. Ryan, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks so much. Lovely to be here. Uh, now, pal, I want to start with what are credit cards? We're going to get into this conversation with you today. What are credit cards and what can they allow you to do? Well, I mean, as you know, I mean, credit cards are, you know, this great plastic product that we can have, you know, carry with us. They're, you know, easy, easy to to have a little, a little easier than, you know, walking around with cash. Um, you know, you have to apply for that credit card. Um, you know, the the beauty part about you know, a credit card for those with those of us with limited vision is, you know, sometimes we can just tap. We don't have to try to see that money, figure out, you know, is this a 10 or a 20 or am I actually handing over right. a 50? You know, I'm not yeah. a high roller like you, Kel, but, you know, oh, I know, I know, but you will hundreds. do what you can, Ryan. <laughs> but uh but i mean i'll tell you something you know what's great about a credit card is they're great ways to track your budget track your spending they catalog everything you spend they they they're very good at, at sort of keeping yourself in check yeah in the digital age too you can do a little more when it comes to using your smart device and that also is good for our accessible uh, usage yeah absolutely absolutely and so there is lots of pros, as you mentioned, but with that, mm -hmm. there are lots of cons as well. Can we go over some of those? Those are some of the dreadful things we got to talk about. Brock, you said it. That's a mouthful, sir. And, and the key is, is that, uh, you know, having these credit cards, you know, it's, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's, it, it's so much a right but it is something that we need to really be careful of because it's very easy to throw that credit card down, you know, oh, I'll just put it on credit and deal with mm. it later. Uh, you know, 
buy that lunch out or you know i'll take care of the tab for the table or 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 you know purchase that extra uh uh you know trinket or bauble and uh you know run up your bill and and it's it's easy because you're not physically seeing that cash going out your wallet you're just you know, swiping and go. And, you know, I, I don't know if you're a Flintstones fan as I am, but, you know, uh, Wilma and Betty saying, <laughs> charge it, charge um, it. you know, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and so what the, some of the cons is you could easily, you know, put yourself into a bit of a, a bit of a tailspin. You could, you know, uh, get into a position where boom, at the end of the month, now you've got this big credit card bill. You can't pay the bill. Uh, it could affect your credit rating. You know, it, it could also, you know, get you into a position. I mean, Kelly, the, through the introduction, you mentioned uh, Blue Monday. That is a real thing. And it's typically the third Wednesday of, of uh, in January where our credit card bills come in. And as those bills come in, we crack them open. And, oh, my gosh, did we really spend all of that over the Christmas season? Uh, for sure. You know, um, and it's going to be more than what you remember because you've got your interests and everything like that, that will eventually, but it always, even if it wasn't, it always seems to be once it's totaled up. Oh, did I spend that much Ryan? Yeah. Well, you don't think about it. You don't think, no, you, you, you know, don't. you go out for coffee and next, oh, I'll have that muffin. Or, you know, you don't think about it. <laughs> it, it. Anything else that we don't think about the annual fees and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, so there, so there are lots of when you're thinking about the cards and and uh, you know there is a there is sometimes depending on the type of card. I mean, there are some annual fees that kind of creep up on you. Uh, there are the cash back cards, the free cards. Um, you know, so there are different variables within. I mean, of course, um, I think we're going to get into this in a little bit, but. In terms of, uh, you know, what do you want to use your card for? Uh, but, mm -hmm. but I think we're going to mm -hmm. fo follow up with that shortly. Make your own rules. Yeah. That's kind of what we'll get into. So what is this all about having a good credit score? Um, because that, that means something to you down the road, right? You know, yeah, what is hey. a credit score? Yeah, the credit score, it's one of these things that it's kind of like, you know, uh, it's not like your basketball score or your, or, your, nope. or your high school GPA score or any of that stuff. We are all um, given a credit score at birth. And it's tied to the CRA, and we're we're sort of uh, it's sort of built in, uh, associated with our SIN number and so forth. Now, I'm not saying that the credit score is governed by the CRA. That's not what I'm saying, but it is it is affected. Uh, sorry, we we build and create this score based on our SIN number and 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 through that registration. Now. Um, a good credit score, sort sort of the range of a credit score, is sort of between three hundred and nine hundred. You know, uh, what they would say, sort of the lower end of the scale, somewhere anywhere between three and six hundred, to the top end of the scale, sort of seven to nine hundred would be excellent. Anywhere in between is good. Now, we we why would we need a credit score? What is it about? Well, the credit score is is what financial institutions evaluate us on if we were to try to borrow some money. So if we went to the bank and said, hey, we want a credit card, well, they're going to check your credit score. Hey, I'd like to have a loan. Well, they're going to check your credit score. Hey, I'd like to buy a house. Can I get a mortgage? They're going to check your credit score. And what the credit score is all about 
is to truly understand what is your, I'll say, trustworthiness or your responsibility as it were to pay your bills. So, for example, how much risk are you? How much risk are you? So, right. for example, like you know, you've got you've got uh, you've got your 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 phone bill and your hydro bill and your your you know your your rent and stuff. As you pay those bills, you're adding value to your credit score. Any right. of those bills you decide, yeah, I'm not going to pay, and they ends up uh -oh. getting late, and there's late charges, or they put you to collections. You know, the collections uh, person knocking at your door or calling you, well, that is going to start to bring down your credit score. Right. I think we, it's kind of like the way I look at it, and Ryan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's it's kind of like, you know, uh, someone's always looking after, like, not looking after you, but they're always watching what you're doing. And it's easy for us to walk to the bank and say, oh, I want a loan and then they go ah um not so fast because xyz and so i think for for me my my understanding has always been do the right thing and 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 pay your bills when they're there because as you point out with credit cards it's easy to tap and say well you know i'm going to do this or that and i'll pay it off no worries um but those bills come and get you is there anything else of importance we should know in relation to this yeah, for sure. I mean, it's easy to get in over your head with credit cards. I mean, we we've kind of mentioned that. Um, I think one of the one of the key things um, that uh, we want to understand is interest rates on a credit card are generally higher. Uh, on a credit card versus a bank loan versus right. you know maybe a a a, a lot a, a locked in loan or or what the you know um, it, those those credit cards can kind of creep up. Now one of the things uh, you should be aware of is uh, when you borrow money, if you were to go to the bank machine and take money out on that credit card, you start paying interest immediately. However, when you tap and, and purchase something on a credit card, you're basically borrowing that money from the credit card company for about 21 days. As you start to pay off the card, if you don't pay the card off in full, you just pay that minimum payment, what you need to be aware of is the interest is applied to the total value, even the sum that you didn't, that you paid off. It's applied to the total value. So that interest really starts to build up and it, it compounds uh, onto itself. So, you know, maybe you had a, you know, maybe in January, the bill comes back, it's $1,000 and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to put the minimum payment on. Well, that 18% is applied on that $1,000. And then in, in February, it comes back. And if you're not able to pay it off, it's going to compound to whatever you spent in February plus what you pay, spent in January and another 18%. And and, mm. and I'm not saying that all credit cards are 18%, but many of them are very uh, are in that range, 18, some are 20, some are 24%. Uh, you know, it's interesting because um, I, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. All of us have had that experience being on disability uh, support at one point or another for whatever time in our lives. And I know that that's when the old Rob from Peter to pay Paul, you'd hear it all the time. You heard it from parents paying big bills and, you know, and, and then you got to live that. 
And it's so troublesome, Ryan, because as you say, it's one thing to not pay it all off if you have the means to do so and you're a little running late and, oh, yeah, I better get to that. Oh, geez, they charged me interest. I'll pay the whole thing. Okay, wonderful. But if you're in that position where that's not really how you roll, how you can roll, um, this hole can be dug deep and deeper even while you're really working hard using what income you have to, to kind of manipulate this down. And, and and this is why there are options within the credit card. So one of the one of the features built into credit cards, certainly, uh, I mean, uh, uh, in, in, along with the, some of the security factors, but you could put a limit on your credit card and say, you know what, I I want to help myself budget, and I am only going to spend five hundred bucks, or or I want my limit to be. Uh, you know, $200, whatever. And then what that will do is it'll sort of keep you in line and it won't charge over that denomination. So it keeps your your budgeting in check. It keeps your your regular uh, outflow of, of expenses in check. You know, and, and you know, uh, th these are some great features of the credit card. I mean, the mm -hmm. fact that, you know, for some of us, uh, who use screen readers, you know, uh, we can log into that online portal, have a look, yes. okay, what have been our expenses? You can track them a little bit better and really kind of keep yourself on point. I know uh, in what, in a past uh, episode, uh, Kel, we chatted a little bit about budgeting. Well, the, the credit card does have that ability to kind of keep your budget on track. So it's, it's not a bad tool if used no. responsibly. And now so accessible, Brock, I think we we know that and it's important for us when you have the manipulation to put something in large printer to hear it. Yeah, I think yeah. the thing too, I think the thing also, guys, that we get caught into is the credit cards want us to come over and, and, and you know, get a credit card. And so they, you know, they give you the whole thing of you get X percentage of cash back. And so even when you're on limited income, sometimes you think, well, I get bonuses for this. Maybe I can make something off of my, you know, purchases. And then you kind of get yourself in that tailspin of like, oh, what have I done here? I've been there yeah. for sure. Bro Brock, yeah. you've actually brought up a great point. Just because the the banks or, or a credit card company offers you a credit card doesn't mean you necessarily need one. And I think yeah. that that's a great point. You know, uh, they say, hey, uh, here's our card. You can, you know, we're going to give you uh, 50,000, you know, points to to, mm -hmm. to, to sign mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, all of a sudden you're, hey, I got all these points, but they really don't actually mathematically equal into anything. Um, yeah. And you know, for you may not be what you need. Uh, right. We'll put a pause on it there. Uh, right. Absolutely tremendous conversation. Very vital. Very important. Thank you for teaching us a lot here. We'll talk to you next month. Hey, thank you. To reach Ryan directly, you can send an email to ryan.chin at sunlife.com. Uh, folks, when he returns to the show, as I mentioned, next month, we'll be talking loans with them, lines of credit and mortgages. Up next, we get to know AMI's apprenticeship program with Alicia Yardley. Stick around. We'll talk to her on the other side of the break. It's fun, insightful and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute.
One of the most wonderful things that you get to do when you host a program like this is talk about giving stuff away, Brock. Uh, it, it really just makes your day to be able to say, hey, we're going to announce a winner here or to remind people to, to come back to the show and check out what we've got. Well, here's what we've got, folks. Time is, oh, well, fading away. So if you haven't done this yet, please get out there and do it. You have till February 8th. Enter the Dream Big Contest. The contest closes on the 8th, so you've got to do this right away to enter and get your name in for a chance to win a Temper Pro Adapt mattress. People are after this thing, ladies and gentlemen, so you want to make sure you get in there. You talk about comfort and resting and enjoying oh, and having that wonderful sleep. Get in on it. Uh, for contest rules and so that you can enter, visit ami.ca slash krcontest. Do it in that, well, do it in about a half hour when we're done the show, okay? You don't have to hurry that much, but, but you got to get it done. Brock Richardson, that guy over there, I'm Kelly McDonald. You could always do split screen, Cal. You could you could do the you know register for yeah. the contest and then and also watch the show, and yeah. then you don't miss any of the great content that we have, like the uh, nope. subject we're going to talk about now, and that is that we're going to get to know AMI's apprenticeship program with Alicia Yardley, manager of people and culture, who joins us monthly on the program, on to talk about employment. Alicia, nice to have you along, and it's a great topic we're talking about today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to be here again. Um, I'm actually really wanting a new mattress now that you guys have been talking about it. So. <laughs> Read the fine print. Beware. <laughs> and just... you enter as a staff. Oh, that's that fine print. I know, I know. But maybe <laughs> we could have a secondary contest and you can just give me the mattress. We don't even need to. <laughs> and we don't need to announce your name. You'd be fine if we just, just guys, you know, keep it quiet. Shine. That's right. You know. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I want to know. I want to know if you can use the excuse in my case of, oh, I can't read the fine print, so I couldn't do it. Sorry. I registered because <laughs> many of us. Plead the fifth until, uh, until <laughs> the otherwise proven is the way I look at it uh, this way. Uh, yeah, but it does look like a comfortable bed every time I see it on the screen. Uh, but I digress. Um, let's talk about AMI's placement program. Um, what um, are what work does the AMI placement program do, and what do we have available to people? Yeah, great question. So um, AMI has had an internship program since about 2016, um, where students with a disability who need to uh, get their hours um, you know, to complete their diploma, degree, whatever it may be, um, they can work in any of our departments. Um, and that was going really well. Um, but we kept getting questions from the community and from our audience, um, people saying, you know, I'm actually not in school, um, but I really want to get that work experience. And so uh, the idea for an apprenticeship program was born. So we have two different options for placements. We have internships, which is if you're a student with a disability um, who's studying at a Canadian institution, you can complete a certain amount of hours. Um, and then with our apprenticeship program, 
uh, you don't have to be a student. You can actually just have an interest in broadcasting, and then you would be able to complete a placement with us as well. So those are the two options. Um, and we're always looking at, you know, different ways to get our community involved with like mentorship, um, you know, potentially like management um, placements. And, and so just we're, we're really always looking at new ways to, you know, grow the work placement program, but that's what it is at the moment. Brock, you and I had a conversation when we knew we were bringing Alicia on about what that feeling is that I would like to be able to take a course that's a little more adapted to me, a person maybe with a disability or just something you haven't been able to to do in life. We 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 all have those things we think back, but you yourself kind of found your, yourself to that that way getting here. Yes, I did. And I took the the um, accessible voice and broadcasting course. And when I took the course, you know, there was an internship available to me uh, where I was with the Voices for Ability. And initially the, the reaction of mine was like, hey, listen, I wanna go right into the workforce and I wanna do this. And until I had an interview with Bob McCowan from the Fan 590, who said, Cut your teeth at an internship. Cut your teeth at a place where you can learn and you can do more and you can get hands-on. Because if you come here where I am at the time at Rogers, you're going to be pouring coffee for me. And pouring coffee doesn't really give you that teeth cutting, like I can do this, I I, you know, I I can, you know, refine my craft. And for me, that's really what it was. Without doing that internship, guys, like I'm not where I am today. I was able to refine my program, uh, submit it to Andy Frank way back when and say, you know, this would be great for AMI. And because of all that, this is all, you know, blown up into me sitting here now on television and and, and doing all this d daily and, and filling in. So internship programs are really, really great. You know, I had many people in my years uh, with the company back in the days when we were a bit different and we had a lot of volunteers, persons from the disability community wanting that opportunity. Hey, is there anything I can do there? And we weren't really set up for them. Alicia, you guys have opened the door and made this possible. So let's talk about inclusion, uh, accommodation and accessibility. How are they recognized through this program? Yeah, it's a great question. So, um, you know, I, I just want to echo what you folks have been saying about the importance of internships. Um, I got my foot in the door into HR through co-op placement, and it really helped me. Um, what's nice about the apprenticeship and internship programs at Accessible Media, um, we are very much about inclusion, diversity, accommodation. Um, so the our programs are open to anybody that has a disability. Um, what happens is I will screen you. Um, and if there are any accommodation needs that you have, um, you know, I, I really encourage you to disclose those so that we can, you know, work together and collaborate on the best way to uh, make your placement a success if you are successful. Um, you know, we we really do take inclusion very seriously. It's important for us that our interns and apprentices actually get that real hands-on experience. They're not pouring coffee. And so we want to make sure that, you know, you're having that authentic experience. Um, but we also want to make sure that you have the tools that you need to succeed. So we have, you know, many ways we can accommodate people through software, um, you know, through ergonomic setup if we need to. Um, 
you know, inclusion, you are really a part of AMI for that placement period. Um, you know, we you're going to be part of all of the meetings, the town halls, production meetings, because we think it's really important to get that you know, real hands-on experience with broadcasting. And so we, we're really proud of, you know, the the inclusion and, and our accommodation. And we've had some amazing interns, as you folks know. Yeah. And, you know, um, being a part of the meetings and being a part of the the, the fixture and, and the, the stuff that goes on is, is something that, you know, really valuable. I mean, I remember my first trip to AMI, you know, and I went and basically knocked on any, any door that, you know, had a person behind it. And I said, can we talk? Can we chat about what it is you're, you're doing here? Can I get, you know, some hands-on feel for what's going on and what's happening? And, and, and I really valued that. Alicia, um, what can people expect to be doing uh, during this process of uh, when they get to AMI? Good question. It really depends on the placement, to be honest with you. Um, so, for example, in you know our control room apprenticeship, you would be working with the control room staff in a uh, live studio environment. Um, you would also have, um, you know, we've got our live TV production um, where you might be helping with one of our live shows. We have a content development um, apprenticeship in which you're going to work on a pitch for a TV series or program, whatever it may be. Um, we have audio placements as well. Um, it, 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 so like I said, it really depends on where you're put. Um, if, for example, you're in marketing and communications, you might be working on digital analytics or, you know, um, social media posts. Um, so it's really diverse. Um, when you apply, um, I, I screen the person, um, I determine through speaking with the candidate, like where would be the best place for them. And then I send their resume over to that specific hiring manager. And then we, we talk about specific projects that this person could take on. Hmm. So is there, when as you have these discussions with people, is there an area right now in the company that maybe is more of a tricky area, our gang in finance, let's say, uh, you know, is there openings there? Is there somewhere where we have to worry about either security or just anything that is an issue? Because that's a lot that you've so far labeled here, potential places. And I'm sure eager beavers out there saying, hey, I'd like to get in on that. Of course. Um, so for like finance and HR are a little bit trickier, I would say, just because we work with like highly confidential information, but, um, you know, we do have potential placements in those departments as well. It would be a question of determining, you know, what that project may be. I, you know, in HR, we always have projects that we're working <laughs> on and we could always use a second uh, pair of hands on. Um, and, uh, you know, in finance as well, I, I know that they have a lot of of, um, you know, projects that they want to work on, tech services as well. Um, so it really depends on the time of year. It depends on how busy they are, but you could definitely do a placement in those departments. Hmm. Alicia, has it really I've changed? Got... Has, has it really changed um, in this time that since we've started this, launched it, uh, in the way of what we are able to do in, in serving people and getting them on board, Alicia, or just, um, I mean, because at first you start thinking, well, gee, what are they going to do here to you start 
making that list. Um, now we're getting to be a little more experienced at it and including what we had to deal with through the pandemic and people all around Canada coming on board. Absolutely. Um, you know, over the last three years, um, you know, we've, uh, I've interviewed apprentices, hired them, they've done a placement, and I've never met them. Most of the time, their manager hasn't really met them in person. So it, it's been an interesting um, change. Um, you know, I'm really proud that last year with the pandemic, we, we did have, um, I, I believe we had seven placements overall, nice. which we we're really excited about and like some great talent coming in. Um, and so I think for us, how it's changed, we're trying to make more connections, do more outreach. Um, you know, I, I, I'm always looking at feedback from outgoing apprentices and seeing, you know, okay, how can we standardize the placements? How can we evolve it so that people are getting the experience that they need? Um, and so we're like, and I'm always open to that feedback. I've had managers come and say, you know, hey, Alicia, the apprenticeship program's great, but, you know, I have a concern about, you know, for example, do they really need a laptop or do they need access to Microsoft Office or whatever it is? And so we're always looking to evolve. Alicia, I am curious because there are so many uh, departments at AMI and there's so many opportunities. If mm -hmm. somebody comes to you and says, and I'm not going to pick on a specific department here because, you know, I just don't want to do that. But if somebody says, I want to do X, and then they get into doing that work and say, you know, certain lengths of time down the line, they say, you know, this isn't for me. Is there an opportunity mm. to try a different place or do they have to sort of finish where they are at and then you, you can reevaluate for another apprenticeship can you sort of expand on what i'm getting at if you understand what i'm getting at oh absolutely um yeah for sure and 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 that's possible too um so the placements are six to eight weeks so i you know definitely give it a fair shot um if it's the kind of thing where you really want to take on some other projects our managers have been pretty good about okay let's see if i can loop in somebody from this department that you're interested in and see if they can give you a special project as well so that the individual is getting their hands um into the various departments and what they do so um you know there is opportunity to be flexible um where you're placed we can't really move you to a different placement or a different department but we could definitely be flexible and work with you nice and that reassessment right there uh, through the process is so great so key um if i'm interested i'm listening into this conversation right now how do i apply yeah, so what you want to do is um, send an email to um, jobs at ami.ca um, or you can, um, you know, phone our, you know, our direct line um, and, and just kind of indicate your interest. Um, I will then send you an email back or give you a call um, and then we'll do a phone screen um, to apply. We just need a resume and a cover letter. So um, you don't need any like letters of recommendation. You don't need to give us your transcripts, nice. just the resume cover letter. Nice and straightforward. And that conversation that you have with the person, again, another very important piece where a person gets to be heard. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's so important. And because we want this to be an empowering experience, mm -hmm. we want to give people, you know, that that exposure to broadcasting, um, you know, so it, it is really important 
to, you know, to the company, um, you know, to me as well, that, you know, we're, we're listening to people that we're meeting their needs and that we can, you know, have great talent come and, and do these temporary placements with us. And, you know, some of our former apprentices have gone on to do really cool projects working with AMI. Some of them have gone on to like CBC. It really depends, but like we we've got some really great apprentices. Nice. So exciting, Brock. And that's literally where you, you know, you find sometimes the best people is the people that come in the door and they say, you know, I want to try this. I, I want to do this. And, and you know, you can be really eager in, in doing it. And Alicia, I really just want to emphasize, you know, before we let you go, the importance of disclosure in your needs, especially in apprenticeships and this kind of thing. Because if people don't know what you need, they can't really accommodate you. And so I think it's important to reiterate in this conversation that that you need to tell people, this is what I need to have the best success uh, during your apprenticeship and that time. Alicia, thank you so much uh, for joining us in this conversation. What a wonderful conversation it was. Thank you so much for having me, folks. And I'm off to look at mattresses on Amazon. <laughs> I'm sure you are. And try it. We'll see if you can come up with a pseudonym name, right? Of course. Of oh. course. Are, are, am I saying something I shouldn't be? My good heavens. And a job. Nope. Suitable job. So like a, another job. <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was Alicia Yardley, Manager of People and Culture, giving us the scoop on the AMI apprenticeship program. And careful, we're teaching people how to cheat here. Come on. <laughs> we're all better than that. We'll be right back, folks, with more as we wrap up the show. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Okay, folks, I know you're anxious to enter the contest. Remember, go over to ami.ca slash KR contest and get yourself registered. Okay, we'll turn you loose in just a couple of moments, but we just have a little more business to handle. Okay. Remember to check out the podcast. Subscribe, listen to the audio vanity card we put on the uh, end of the podcast, uh, where one of us from the team gets into a little bit of conversation. I'm handling it today for us, so do check that out if you would, if the podcast is your way to consume the program. Otherwise, uh, repeats of the show a little later on today, uh, you can find us at 10 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv and AMI-audio. Uh, but again, remember, subscribe and you're checking out the podcast. Give us a rating and review. We'd appreciate it. All right, Brock. So people may want to go back and hear a segment they might have missed or re-listen to it. What do you have to recommend? Well, I'm going to go back to uh, hour one of the program. And when we talked to In the Know contributor and backup co-host, uh, Margaret Weldon, she was talking about goal setting. And, um, you know, she was also talking about, you know, the, the New Year's resolution being the uh, three three hardest words, you know, to to hear and with and uphold and for me i really think that this was a good conversation i think that um you know it's the buzz thing to do when it hits uh january 1st mm -hmm. you know i gotta sure. set a new year's resolution and i'm gonna stick to it until you know some people a month two some people are dil you know diligent enough to stick with it for a whole year but it is a tough thing to do and we had a great conversation 
about it uh, with Margaret earlier. It's hard uh, because, of course, the beginning of the year comes with so much other things you're focused on, that uh, downhill after Christmas that people often talk about. And for our people in our region, of course, the, the blues, the winter blues. I also want to comment on the advisement with Ryan Chin as we talk the positives of credit cards and the things to be careful of. Really interesting talk in our financial segment with him that we do once a month. And today he had a lot of great advisement uh, for us to take into account. Speaking of advisement, I wonder what's going on tomorrow on Now with Dave Brown. Well, here's the man that can fill us in. Paul Daniel, one of the producers over there on that show, he's got the goods for us, and he's not looking for any credit payment or anything like that. He'll give it to you free. Paul, what's up tomorrow beginning at 9 a.m.? Hello, Kelly. On tomorrow's show, food insecurity has been a growing problem across this country, and the rapid yes. rise of inflation last year has only made the problem greater. Sherry Hanley from the Community Food Centers Canada will explain the impact on people who can't access food and must turn to food banks and charities uh, to, to get by. It's only February, Kelly, but people are already making plans for March break. Some people are traveling. Others are planning to do staycations. So Jenny Bovard will provide suggestions for people who are planning to stay home and see what, what you can do to, to make the, the week enjoyable and relaxing. Stephen Scott from Double Tap will give us a heads up on the upgrades to Microsoft's Seeing AI app, which now includes indoor navigation. Awesome, Paul. Really nice show. Lots of good stuff ahead. We'll send people over there tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv or via the podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow, pal. Thank you, Kelly. Paul Daniel, producer over there on Now with Dave Brown, joining us to let us know what's going on. I have to give a big thanks to this guy, Brock Richardson, who joined me today filling in for Rumya. Uh, first time settling in. Okay, you're at the end. Feeling good? Yes, we got through uh, got through one one uh, show, and it was a bit of a you know learning curve for me. But uh, after about the uh, first hour, it was like. This, I've gotten my rhythm, so I'm feeling good and love the opportunity, and we'll get to do it uh, in a couple of days uh, again, for sure. You betcha, my friend, as Brock joins me again Friday uh, on the program. Hey, we'll swing open the gateway to the weekend for sure. On tomorrow's show, folks, at the start of the year, there's always been an increased interest in apps who help people achieve goals and keep their resolutions. Michael Fair is going to be talking to us about some of the popular habit tracking and task management apps that are out there. He'll tell us about some of the accessible options, of course. Also, one of your favorites, Brock, the roundtable tomorrow. Greg David will be joining us, and I've got all sorts of goodies that I'm going to take to the table with us, and we'll be having a great conversation as we do on Thursdays with the Kelly and Rumya Thursday Roundtable. Hope you can be with us, folks. Whatever you're doing tonight, be safe. Enjoy yourself. We'll see you back here at 2 p.m. Eastern. Fedora's off to you, gang. do our monthly book club uh, and I think I've mentioned before when I've talked about it here on the vanity card 
that it was one of those things that you wondered, will I really keep up and read all the books? And I think I've had one where I had some trouble with where I couldn't get through for different things going on, or I don't think it was just lack of interest. But sometimes it can be a challenge, as I'm sure all of us agree there. We don't have to really say anything more than that except, oh, gosh, i got to work my way through this book. Oh, um, But I really, for me, use that as an opportunity to check out different books. I will never be accused of being so open. I, I mean, I am when it comes to different books, but I tend to stick to the genres I like. And if someone says, hey, this is a really cool fantasy book, I'm not saying I don't have fantasy books that I've enjoyed, but likely, am I really going to give this a try unless I'm doing it when it comes to something like our, our book club? And I really love hanging back when I can. And it's hard because you get so excited to talk about the book, you start running off and you realize, oh my gosh, time's against us. And it always is when we do our book um, you know, club gathering and chat. But you do want the person who recommended the book to be that person to really have the floor enough. Uh, I'm always fascinated by the questions that Rumya comes up with, and, and there's times I'm reading and I'll throw a question in if she can fit it in. Awesome. Uh, I appreciate that because I think it's going to give us something else to bounce around and chat about um, and, and maybe add to it um, and to support and help out, of course. But it, it can be so fun. The only thing I find, you forget what you're doing. Are you encouraging people to read the book or talking about it to the people who read the book with you or you hope? And that's something we don't really know. We have no idea how many of you actually, yeah, I think I'll follow along and read that. We know a few people that do, certainly. You know, uh, Amr and the book club, sometimes I think they follow along and, and read everything that that is suggested um, by our, uh, our, our book club, which is absolutely tremendous. Um, but it really can be a tricky thing because you forget yourself. You're so engrossed in the book. You're so engrossed in the conversation. And at any time you stop and think, oh, my gosh, am I spoiling it for someone? Or are people jumping for joy out there saying, yeah, yeah, I agree. Or no, you guys are wrong. What the heck? Where do you get that idea? You want all of that. <laughs> but mostly you just want to really get it out there, how much fun you're having if you're a book reader. I mean, obviously there are people. We tease Jeff Ryman about it because we know his contribution's got to be a sports book. But that is really where, you know, some of us out there, and, and I think this is a, a great example of the different things we do on the show. There are things that we all know. Oh, that's not Kelly's thing. Oh, that's not Rumya's thing. But as hosts, we want to present and we want to open the floor. But we also don't want to fool anyone and sit here and pretend, oh, I'm really into books or I'm really into sports or I'm really into gaming or whatever it might be. But you certainly appreciate the efforts of the contributor coming on, the guests to talk about it. And when people make a recommendation, Kelly, at least try to read the damn book. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.